0: I thank you, Tana, for your prayers. And, uh, thanking the elders too for this great opportunity to bring greetings into God's word. Uh, the passage that is in our hands is a very interesting passage, and we've been driving through the Book of Acts of the Apostles, and. Uh, there in that scripture, you, we get to know that God is at work, but God can only be at work when he finds willing verses. But from the lessons, from the preachings that we have had all along, one thing is very clear, that we see these people doing great things, and the temptation is for us to try to distance ourselves as if it is not something God can do also through us. There are great things. Peter was able to capture it very carefully. He said, The faith they received is the same that we also have received. In other words, Whatever we see in scripture that God is able to do through any of them, there's every possibility to do it with you and with me, if not much beyond. Partly because the Bible says the blessings of the latter, greater it shall be than the former. So even as we are seated here, I see people who have concluded in themselves, just like me, I will be talking to you, but the truth is, as I talk to you, I talk to myself. Sometimes we limit ourselves as to what God can do through our own lives. We are not ordinary people. The moment you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and have the seal of his spirit in the inside of you, only heaven can determine what God can do with you. And so I will want us this morning to begin to see ourselves in the light of the scripture that Pastor Tanner reads. You see, I want us to see uh, this also, and it's very, very important. There are people that we meet. We meet people, some are in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and some are not. But as they take their time to tell us their story, one way or another, you'll be able to locate yourself in the story as they tell, either before the Lord brings you to faith or even after. There is no way that that will not happen. We are living, we are spending our time together on this part of eternity, and nothing is new. Life as a whole is a cycle. Now, we have seen in Acts of the Apostles, we are not going to read uh, in, in chapter 16, We have Paul receive a call from the Lord. A call that came by way of a vision, the Bible says, Paul saw a man beckoning on him to come over to Macedonia and help them. Now, Macedonia can be said like Boston. When you talk about Boston, we have other cities in Boston. Now, Macedonia has places like Philippi. It has places like Ampopolis. It has places like, and um, um, it has places like Thessalonica, Iberia, and even Athens. So the scope of call through that vision is actually brought. And so everything that we have seen happening there, we see Paul able to um, navigate through all of those challenges as if he is not human. What was driving Paul actually was the fact that he has had a vision. He has had a vision equally like saying he has heard from the Lord. If you are able to hear from God, barriers will not matter. Hindrances will never matter. You will keep going because there is something in the inside of you. It's like you have a bag behind your hand. You can't look sideways. You can't go back. You just keep going no matter what you see because the one behind you is greater than the obstacles and the hindrances that you see. Now, there in the scripture, we found out that while Paul was in Thessalonica and preached the gospel, you know, the people make trouble for him. And for some reasons, he had to come over to Berea. It was a different atmosphere all over because the hearts of the Bereans were receptive. But the people in Thessalonica had what was happening, and then they pursued Paul over to Berea. In fact, the testimony concerning the Bereans is like, whatever they heard Paul tell them, they have to go and search the scriptures just to ensure if that was true. We don't have this kind of people in our generations today. There's every temptation to just take things. We are not people that are searching the scriptures. The truth is, when you read the scriptures, you will save yourself from so many things partly because there is no one single experience in life that God has not spoken about or consigning it in his words. So it is not about what people are saying. The moment it agrees with scripture, you take it. If it doesn't, you leave it, because scripture is the ultimate authority unto which God will judge humanity. But as I am talking to you, I will just want you to keep having a reflection. What? Is your devotional life like either as a person or as a family but much more as a person because we are going to look at the life of a person here Apostle Paul now when we take that scripture and look at it what captures our mind is the city idols all over the city but the strength of that story is not in what was happening in Athens the strength of that story is poor. It's poor. Because at all times, God is only looking for a man to make corrections and changes so that the atmosphere will allow the presence of God to move. So if you permit me, when you say idols are all over the city, it's like there is darkness all over the city of Athens. Athens is a city... That is intellectually known. In fact, next to his status and Alexandria. It's a great place, but not a great place in terms of knowing God and relating with him. Now, let us not distance our discussions this morning. Let us not take it far away. If you travel into Boston, you are not likely to see temples, you are not likely to see idols. But I'm telling you, without any fear of contradiction, that those idols are existing in the hearts of men. If you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ, there is something you believe in. And man, by definition, is a product of what he believes. You cannot do anything other than what you believe. Your belief is what drives you. But I want us to see a connection Between Paul's life and the Athenians. Athens is such a place that the more people you find in Athens, the more gods you see. If you come to introduce something new, they are willing to listen and possibly give you permission to run with it. So you have people with different gods even here and there. But today, in my sermon, I just titled it Paul's Model for Presenting the Gospel in Athens because God was at work in Paul, and Paul will have to allow God to move and to lead him each step of the way in this matter. We all knew that the Thessalonica, people in Thessalonica came over to Berea, and the brothers there had to take Paul away in order to save his life, and it was while he was waiting. There in Athens for Silas and Timothy, that he saw what is being described as temples and all kinds of things over the city. Now, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 14 through 17, the Bible says, I am indebted both to Greeks and non Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you in Rome. I am giving that scripture so that we can see the scope of Paul's ministry. Some version says, I am obligated. But I want to use the verse that says, I'm indebted. And just that word alone. Because we need to find out what is driving this man. And by the time we find out what is driving Paul, It will be very clear if you want to be honest with yourself that you will discover that what was driving Paul should drive you because it's the same thing. Have you ever been indebted to somebody? Have you ever been indebted? How is it like to be indebted to somebody? If you are indebted to somebody and you have conscience, you will discover that somehow it's like you have no peace until you are able to settle that. But the indebtedness that we know about is not the one I want to emphasize here. Now, if you come and borrow this Bible from me, today is Sunday with a promise to return this Bible on Wednesday. You are indebted to me by this Bible from the time you take it or from the time you took it up until you return it to me. Will I be right to say that? You borrowed it with a promise to return it to me. Now that is one. But there's another way we can explain it. You can be indebted to somebody by a piece of information. Take for example, if you come to tell me that Peter, sorry, I'm in a hurry to get to work, please will you run to my house and tell my wife not to touch this place, this place? I discovered that she shouldn't touch maybe the gas cooker, the cooker, because it shocked me this morning and I wouldn't want them to use it. I am indebted to your wife by that information. If I don't go and tell her and anything happens, I will feel guilty. Because an information has been passed to me to take it to who? To your wife. So I will feel guilty if I don't do that and anything happens. And somewhere in between, if I remember, I will say, oh, I need to run and give this message across to this woman. So the family can avoid danger ahead before the husband is back. That is the picture that we have here. Paul has called, God has called Apostle Paul to carry the message. He said it here, look at the scope. To the Greeks, to the Gentiles, to the Jews, and all what have you. And it's like Paul is never at peace, partly because he knew that failure to take this message that God has given him to the people might endanger their lives for eternity. And so Paul is never at peace. You can see it, that even while he was there waiting, he couldn't wait for them. There is no time to waste. I am indebted to these people. The more time I spend waiting for Silas and Timothy to come, the more people will be lost. So let me do the best that I can within the time that I have, within the life that I have, to ensure that I do what God is asking me to do concerning these people. This is what is driving poor. But it doesn't make it less for each and every one of us. Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, 18 through, all authority has been given unto me. Go. Therefore, go and preach the gospel. It's the same thing. As we are seated here, we are indebted to the world. In fact, we are indebted to God at the same time to the lost. If you feel so concerned, that you borrow something and you are struggling to ensuring you pay that back, I want to say you should also feel the same, that God is giving you a message. He has entrusted you with a message to take it across to the people. And this is where the life of Paul fits with the people. He has a responsibility. He's obligated to actually do that. Do you feel obligated to preach without somebody urging you to? But that's the question we must answer. Now, that is one. And then the second thing that I would want us to see is also what? With the life of Paul and the scope of his calling. Now, what is the life of Paul? Because when he went there and saw the city, at some point he said, okay, when he went to the marketplace and saw what was happening, He says, look, as I come, this was what I found. There are altars everywhere. There are temples everywhere. But there is one having the inscription to an unknown God. I don't like the version that was read. But I like the version that says, that which you are ignorant about, this very God that you are ignorant about, the same God. I will talk to you about. The word ignorance is very important. And when you look at the Bible, I want us to see the life of Apostle Paul. In the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, from verse 12, he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Do you see the connection? And that's why I said anything you see, any story you hear, it has some connection with your own life, either before or even after. Paul at one time was ignorant. We had a story and a message preached here in Acts chapter 9. He was ignorant. When God appeared to him in Acts chapter 9, and said, So, so why are you persecuting me? What was his question? Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Christ whom you are Lord, You are persecuting Did you hear anything from Paul? It's like he is having a reflection. So all along, I've been acting in ignorance. All along. It was ignorance that was driving me to do this thing. My dear brothers and sisters, any person, any person, and I say that, any person that is outside the fold of Christ in terms of salvation is an ignorant man. It's ignorance. There is no way the Spirit of God will open your eyes to the truth of Scripture Consigning the dead burial and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ to return again with time that He will not give your life to Him. So sometimes we don't understand that. It's ignorance. I was ignorant too. Because nobody here was born a Christian. We have a day and a time in our lives when we come to Christ. But as I am talking to you, just have a deep reflection. Were you ignorant at any time? Now, when your ignorance was overtaken by grace, and you are brought to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, why can't you transfer that kind of feeling to somebody? You know the beauty of God's grace is not reflected in the church? It's hard for us to say the true stories of our own lives. But until we do that, people will not understand, they will not see how far the grace of God can go in the lives of people. Paul said he is the worst of all sinners. What you know is a statement of humility. Because you can't compare what Paul did. You can't compare ignorance with willful sin. Willfully, willfully sin. How do you compare that in the case of Judas Iscariot? It was a willful sin. Judas, why do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Judas was not doing anything wrong. That's the way. Teachers were greeted by way of kiss, but he was doing a good thing with a different motive. That's the level that we can see. In the case of Paul, it was ignorance. The very day it was made clear to him, he never lived that way again. Only God can tell what people will surrender the day their ignorance is overcome. And so Paul saw. When he first came, the Bible says he went first and foremost into the synagogue. There is something we need to understand. If you look at the mouth very well, the mouth of Macedonia, after he left Philippi, he came over, there is Amphipolis, Apollonia, he never stayed there because there is no Jewish presence there, and then he moved further. He went to the Jews in the synagogue and the God-fearing Greeks. But if you see what Paul was doing with them, India is different from what he did with the Stoic and Epicurean philosophers, even though it was as well different when he met the council of Areopagus. With the Jews, the Bible says he was reasoning with them. He was reasoning with them. Paul never condemned them. That is one model, one strategy. He never condemned the Jews. He never said, You are here and all this thing is happening. He never did that. He as well never insulted the Athenians. He reasoned with them. But following that, he made his way to the marketplace. Why marketplace? You need to go where people are. You need to go where people are. And he was there in the marketplace. It's a city of intellectuals. Religion is being discussed in the marketplace. Discussions had to do with one deity or the other. And so as Paul went there, he was able to listen, and he started engaging people. And as he was conversing with them, some of them said, oh, what's this babbler saying? The word babla is not a good one. It's not a good one. Almost insultive by nature. But Paul never took it personal. He never took it personal. He knew the one who has sent him is not a time to begin to talk upon words or about words. He never took it personal. If I may ask you, who made the way for Paul to the council of the Areopagus? The same people who used the word babbler on him. He was patient with them. He was able to tolerate them. He knew that it's not a matter of argument. You can send the insults you want to send on me. It doesn't make any difference. I know why I am here, and I know what I have. It has something strong enough to usher you into eternity with God. Most of the times when people respond to us, we take it personally, especially when you attempt to preach them. The patience of Paul, the endurance of Paul was the bridge that God used. They were the ones who took him to the council of the Areopagus. How patient are you as a believer? What can you endure for the sake of Christ? Paul knew the grace of God. He knew the mercies of God that was extended unto him. Do you know the grace of God that you have experienced? The work you are doing as a result of the mercies of God. Better people can do it. The man you are marrying, there are better women that can take him as a husband. The woman you are marrying, there are better men that can take It's just the grace of God. We should begin to have a reflection what this grace of God is all about. And maybe I will say this. To give you the picture, I was driving then in Nigeria. I came about a roundabout, and there, by the side, was a madman, almost naked. In fact, I would say, if to say it plainly, he was naked, and he was just screaming. I was late for home. As I was driving, I have a family, I have a house to go and sleep. I'm expecting to go and have my meal. I'm driving in a car. I never have any experience close what that man is going through. But do you know, outside of the grace of God, that could be me. There's nothing to boast about. There's nothing to feel proud about. If you understand the grace and the mercies of God, your relationship with people, your handling of issues will differ. Paul went in there. They sat down there. They took him to the marketplace. But do you know that he kept going back to that marketplace? The Bible says almost every day, daily, he was there. Maybe he has discussed with somebody. There was an interruption. And time was over. Let me go back and connect my discussion with this person to see where this will go. How can you go back to where you have been insulted? How can you keep dealing with somebody that has insulted you or people that have insulted you? Paul knew what he was carrying. He knew the value of his time in that place and with those people. I have a friend whose name I will keep concealed Here in this country. It was during a Christmas time. Her sister is not in the Lord, and she sent something over to her. Maybe including a Bible. I don't know, but she sent something to her all in the attempt that she will read it and then see how God will walk through those things to bring her to Christ. Allow me to say Bible was included. If not, they are very, very important Christian literatures. She gathered them and threw them inside the gospel. But till today, this thing happened years before now. If anything that is holding her back, from going forward with our sister is that experience we can't tolerate we can't be patient anybody who does that you have seen somebody acting in ignorance learn to tolerate the ignorance of people until the grace of god brightens their understanding be patient tolerate them keep going keep trying the lord will do something i mean sunday Now, when we go through those scriptures, you see, when they insulted Paul, he never insulted back, but much more also, Apostle to Paul, only challenged their worldview. And he challenged their worldview from a biblical perspective. It was the scripture that he was using. It's just like somebody says, no, this is this, this is that. You don't understand this. Admit that you don't understand, but take the passing through scripture. I'm not telling you something from my head. This is what I find from the Bible. So Paul was using scripture all along to challenge their worldview. Medford, if we see, is an intellectual community. If you are going to listen to people, you will hear people's view about Christ and about salvation. Different views. Only scripture can be used to challenge those views and do it with grace, with patience, and with great wisdom. Now, in verse 28, if you see, Paul decided to use one of their philosophical concepts because he is looking at a level ground. What is it that these people have known? They believe that has no tension with scripture. And then he looked at it. And one thing that they all agreed together is the fact that as human beings, we are God's offsprings. The Stoic philosophers, the Ecuperian philosophers, even those in the Areopagus, they all believe this. Okay, since we all have this in common, let me take what we have in common and begin to, what? to build on it. And when you are witnessing to people, Try to find out what they believe, what they are comfortable with, that you know has agreement with Scripture. That, to me, is the contact points. And that, to me, is what you need to use as an entry point into the hearts of the people. When you sit down talking with somebody, and you discover that what the person is saying, you know it. What the person comes to talk about in addition, you know it. You know, it builds your discussion. You can spend time talking about that. But when somebody says this and you said no, it is this, he says this, no, it is, before you know it, the person is gone. And so try to find a common ground that you can use as entry point into the hearts of the people. They just believe, oh, despite the goals that they have, despite the others, one thing is common. They all believe we are God's offspring. The only problem is which God? And so Apostle Paul says that in him we live, we walk and we also have our being, for we are God's offspring. Go and read it and see what Paul was doing with them. But I like verse 29. Verse 29 through 31, I will read. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Therefore, if we are God's offspring, then we need to actually repent. You see, the word therefore is very important. Until Paul was able to explain to them, to give them biblical explanations concerning this unknown God, he never summoned them to repent. You know, when you go to witness to somebody and you just meet the person and says, can you repent? You need to repent of your sin, otherwise judgment will come on you. You are not presenting the gospel. What have you said to the person to the point that you are now inviting the person to make decision whether to accept Christ or not? Paul, he never did that. He explained everything to them and he said, therefore, It will be good that you know that in the history program of God, there is a future. A future that will be comfortable for others and certainly not going to be comfortable for others. Only going to be comfortable if at that time you have accepted the Lord, working with him and also ready for his return. Therefore, you need to what? You need to repent. Do you see the strategy there? The call for repentance came after Paul was able to exhaust information that these people needed to hear. But there is also an application here that is wisdom-wise. He said, God has set a day for judgment by a man he appointed. He never mentioned the name Jesus Christ. He never mentioned Jesus. It's logical. For some people, when you begin with Jesus, their heart is closed. But everything that Paul was doing, he was doing that to raise their curiosity and also to allow them to have some questions that they can ask. Because if he says, by a man, he has set a day. The question is, who is that man? So, everything that Paul was doing is to raise curiosity and give them room to ask him questions so he can build on that. And you know, the more people ask you questions, they're expressing areas of interest in your discussions and time with them. And that was where he was going. And he gave those explanations. The name of Jesus was not mentioned. He says, By a man, he has said it. And who will hear about coming judgment that you will not think twice? Who will hear about coming judgment. I will not think twice. Do you know that in the marketplace Paul never made a convert? He never made a convert in the marketplace. He was brought to the area almost like the Roman Senate. These are people that have the responsibility to take decisions over education and whatever is coming new in terms of religion. They are the ones to assess, to evaluate. They are the ones that can stamp it and say, well, you can run with that. But either way, these people are good. If only you are able to convert them. The Bible says that in that city, all that people live doing is to hear and to speak. If you are able to have somebody that will listen to the gospel and take it, and he or she has a nature to speak, those are people that God is looking for. But we gather here Sunday, we hear. Are we speaking out what we are hearing? So when you look at them, you think they are totally bad. There are things that people are ignorant about that is good if they are able to be brought to a level of understanding. They are quick to hear, they want new ideas, but the moment they hear, whatever they hear, they want to speak it out. Now, if they hear about the Lord Jesus Christ, what will they do? They want to speak it out. No wonder they had it in the marketplace and said, come over, come over. We want what you are presenting to be stamped by our leaders so you can run with it. It was in that council that God opened the hearts of others to repent. Dionysius, one of them, and as well Damaris. I went outside the Bible to study the life of Dionysius. Do you know that This very convert was the one that became the bishop in Athens. In fact, not only that, history has it that he left his family, wife and children, to join Paul at some time for missionary work. He was present when Paul was martyred. And he said, I want to die the same way. In fact, he died through imperial Domitian. But not only that, he was able to convert many pagans. Just one person. Just one person. <sighs> was able to do that. How are you seeing yourself? I was preached to. People who walked on my life, some are not alive. I never knew I would be here standing here to preach the word of God. I never knew I would be in this country even to stand here preaching. I never knew. Are we limiting God? You can help people if you are humble enough to believe that someday you were ignorant. Do you sense the mercy of God in your own life? By grace we have been saved, not by works, so that any should boast. If we allow this spirit to grow in the inside of us, our message will be meaningful. Say your story the way it is. Say it the way it is. Who is able to reach out to the pagans? The very person who also was a pagan. And no wonder this time around Paul was there debating for them. And then God opened the door. In debate, there are always a topic, but people have differing views. Paul is trying to give them a proper view of what they should know and understand, and somehow the Lord worked on that. Are you allowing some of the moments to pass by? Always look for a contact point. That is what you will use as an intricate into the hearts of people. Listening to the stories of people, you will find yourself in that story, either before Christ or after Christ. That should be your contact because at this time you have a level ground and you can say, my sister, my brother, I was there and I know what it means. But if you can allow me to come where God has taken me, you experience a different life altogether. Learn to be patient with people. Tolerate people. Everything you are doing and experience is by grace and grace alone. Let's pray. Let's pray. I just want you to talk to yourself. Just talk to yourself. Lord, I don't know where this word has gone. But I pray you will help these people see the fact that they can determine the destiny of nations. Help us, Lord, to be able to find the bridges. Enable us, Lord, to be willing to lay down our lives as if it were a carpet for others too much. Give us patience with people. Change us, Lord, that we might be carriers of your grace. To live out the testimony of your greatness, for faithful you are in heaven. I pray you continue speaking to us the depth of your truth in addition to what we have heard. If there is anything that I say in error, Spirit of God, I pray you will take it and give clarity that conviction will build and the lives of people will settle for you. May we begin to live for the value of eternity that we experience, sharing it with others and helping others as well, Lord, to get to knowing you and become useful tools in your hands. Bless us, O Lord, We ask this with thanksgiving. Christ's name. Amen.